Well, uh, some people are wanting to uh, get back to normal, so let's pretend that this is before the pandemic, and if you're a Sunday school teacher, you would listen to an audio, and I would open it up by saying this is a Sunday school lesson for Graceway Baptist Church to be presented on August 30th, 2020, so there's you a little dose of normalcy, a little reminiscing there. August 30th, special day. Uh, August 30th is my dad's birthday. Uh, He would be Uh, 87, and it's also Papa Sam's birthday. He would have been 86. My father and my father-in-law, exactly a year apart to the day, and uh, we certainly miss them and want to pay tribute to them as we do this lesson, which leads into my introduction and kind of the theme of the uh, lesson today out of Haggai. We're going to be talking about discouragement and some of the things that might lend to discouragement. And there are a couple of things I would say in uh, the introduction. Uh, I think that sometimes we get a picture in our minds of the way things ought to be. And when life and reality doesn't match the picture that's in our minds, what does that do to us? Well, it's discouraging sometimes. And the more vivid you are in that and the more detailed you are in that, the more you're kind of set up for discouragement. What does the enemy have to do to discourage you? They don't have to change very much if you're real detailed. But all of us know that thing of this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not the way I pictured it. And so it it hurts and we get discouraged. The other thing is... Sometimes, uh, as we look back and we think about the past, sometimes we tend to maybe romanticize the past just a little bit. We only remember the good things. I've heard people all my life talk about the good old days. And in my generation, whenever I heard somebody talk about the good old days, you know what the good old days were? War, World War II and the Great Depression, that type of thing. Now, if you're younger than me, obviously, you know, you might listen to somebody talk about the 80s or the 90s or something like that. But for my generation, we heard our parents talk about the good old days, those days where people went to bed hungry, those days when people didn't know how to feed their family, uh, where unemployment was so high, those days when they didn't have indoor plumbing or air conditioning or any of those kind of things. And see, that didn't sound all that great to me. And so in in my time, I remember thinking, why would you want to go back to that when you can live now? And it seemed like that times were, to me, pretty good because I was young, I was optimistic, that type of thing. I was uh, watching the uh, Republican convention. I watched both of them. And there were some things that I saw in the RNC that kind of reminded me, they were kind of, uh, maybe we would say Reagan-esque, And uh, the very first president that I ever voted for was Ronald Reagan back in 1980. I was 20 years old. And um, that was an optimistic time for me. Now, it may not have been for everybody, but it was for me. You're 20 years old. I didn't have a family. I didn't have much responsibility. And, uh, you know, as they would say, the world was my oyster. It was, you know, just go out and get it and, and go on. Now, things are a little bit different now because I can go back and look at some of those times, and sometimes you can look on YouTube and see some videos and uh, watch some things, and maybe they're not quite as I remembered them because we, as we get older, tend to romanticize the past. 
we tend to accentuate maybe the more positive things and kind of downplay the negative things. Now, I know there are exceptions. There are some people who can't get over the negatives of their past. But for most of us, I think it's the other way around. And in this passage we're going to talk to, or talk about today, that's exactly what is going on. The remnant of Israel has started working on the temple like God commanded them to do. But as they are working, there's something happening. Now, um, when you talk about mind readers, let's just be clear. There's only one who can actually do that, and that's the Lord. And the Lord addresses some things in here that the people were thinking. And I want you to notice this because it has to do with, and maybe we could speak to some of the old people. If you're an old person, you know, I'm probably talking to you. And uh, maybe we also could talk to some of the young people here. And maybe we could talk about the dynamic, about how things change as time goes by. I hear people say from time to time, boy, we need some. uh, A lot of times we talk about preachers and we mention some old preachers that are with the Lord now. You know, the truth of the matter is God didn't want them to be around right now. He didn't appoint them to this time, but he appointed you and he appointed me. And so these are the days in which we live. And let's just be honest. If I were to go back and think about uh, the good old days when my grandfather was living, I probably could, I would starve to death. I, I wouldn't know how to relate to that world and to that time. And let's also be honest too. We could bring him back. He was born in 1910. Let's bring him back and let's put him in this area, in this era, pardon me, and he would not get it. He wouldn't understand. He couldn't function in it. But you and I can. And this is what was happening with the remnant. They were the ones that were chosen to rebuild the temple. Now, as they are building it, certainly it's not going to be anything like Solomon's temple was, but it never was supposed to be. God did not put that demand upon them. His command was rebuild the temple. He didn't say it had to be like Solomon. It's a different era. It's a different time. That temple and that generation are gone. And what uh, God is doing with them is saying, just get your priorities in order. And notice when we read this text, the Lord is going to tell them, get busy and work. And here's the main thing. I'm with you. I'm not disappointed. I'm not upset. I'm not expecting you to reproduce the past because we can't do that. They couldn't do that and we can't do that. And we've got to quit trying to hold on to uh, those days that are gone by because these are the days um, in which we live. Now certainly we hold on to truth and morals and right and wrong and ethics, that kind of thing. But uh, the days are over. And uh, some of these people are looking and they're saying, what's the use? This isn't going to look like anything that we had. And some of the old people, well, it seems to be that that's where the problem really lied. The The older people were destroying the zeal and the enthusiasm and the optimism of the youth. That's kind of the way I felt back in 1980. And uh, it's, it's hard not to do that, isn't it? So let's go to the scripture. You've heard enough of this. Haggai 2. Let's read uh, verses 1 through 5. In the seventh month, in the 21st of the month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, 
and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Now, let's just be honest, not many, but there were some. There were some. It had been about 70 years, and so there were some. And uh, how do you see it now? Okay, that's the question God is asking the old people, the people that remembered the former temple. Now listen to this. This is important. In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. For I am with you. There's the key. I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains strong among you. Do not fear. Hear what was happening? The old people that could remember the old temple, they're working away and they're saying, this is nothing like it used to be. This is nothing, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. Let's be honest. They weren't just romanticizing. They were factual on that. That, uh, that uh, temple of Solomon was a sight to behold. And what they were building now after the exile was uh, nothing like that. Now, I think really the old people, instead of going, oh, what's the use? This isn't anything like it used to be. They probably should have been telling the younger people, we are so sorry. We are so sorry. This is what we've left you, a mountain of rubble. Because this is our fault and our ancestors' fault. And they should have taken time to go back and put it in perspective. We ignored the prophets. We worshipped idols. We sinned against God. God warned us and warned us and warned us and warned us. And we thought it could never happen here. Not here. Not in Judah. No, God will never let that temple be destroyed. And what happened? Nebuchadnezzar comes in in 586 B.C. and destroys it. And he actually loots the temple. He robs it. And God allowed it to happen. And the reason he did it, it wasn't the Babylonians' fault, even though, yeah, they would be responsible. But let's put it where it really belongs. The people that lived during the time of that old, magnificent temple, these old people who are rebuilding now, they should have said to the young people, we're so sorry, this is our fault. We're the ones who did this. But apparently they didn't do it. And apparently they were discouraging the younger people. The younger people had a lot of zeal. When you read in, uh, I believe it's the book of Ezra, about the laying of the foundation at this time, the younger people were shouting with zeal. They were happy. They were excited. The older people were weeping. And that's kind of the dynamic that is going on here. And the Lord knows what they're thinking, just like he knows what you're thinking. And he knows how easy it is to get to the point to where you say, this isn't like it used to be. And a lot of things can cause that. Have you ever had a death in your family? Sometimes it changes your family dynamic dramatically. Ever been through a divorce? Maybe uh, you grew up in a broken home and you used to love Christmas and you loved Christmas at your grandparents' house. And mom and dad would take you there and you'd open presents, spend the night and all of those kind of things, then your family split up, 
And then your mom and your dad demanded that you spend equal time with them. So you couldn't spend Christmas with your grandparents like you used to. You had to be here. And then you had to get in a car and travel. And you had to go here. And you started hating holidays like that. And you thought, oh, why can't things just be like they used to be? But they can't. It's a different time. It's a different era. Maybe your health has changed over the years. I've thought about people that... At one time, they were young, and they were strong, and they were able to work, and they worked hard. And then maybe due to an accident or disease or something like that, they can't even hardly get up out of a chair. Or maybe they're confined to a wheelchair. I think about Johnny Erickson Tata after her uh, diving accident when she was a teenager, and she spent, she's in her 60s now, she spent all of that time in a wheelchair. Things have changed. And you can reminisce, and you can go back and say, why can't it be like it used to be? But it can't. God has moved us into a different situation. That's where these people are. Anybody want to say the Bible isn't relevant? Very relevant. This is where we live. Now, what is it that brings such discouragement in times like these? Let's just kind of talk about these things. First of all is memory. Okay, memory. We have that. Hopefully you have that. may not be as good as it used to be, but memory can be a factor in discouragement. It can be a good thing. You know, sometimes we remember things from the past, and we remember how to live. We remember how to act, how to conduct ourselves. We were instructed by our parents or teachers or others. It carries on uh, to this day. But it can also be a bad thing, and that's what is happening here. People, the ones who could remember, were looking, and they're saying, this is nothing compared to the way it used to be. And can you imagine you're uh, somebody who's a 20-something and you are working alongside somebody who maybe is in their uh, mid to late 70s and you ask them an innocent question, what was it like before? And then they start telling you everything of what uh, the temple was like, what worship was like, what the times were like, what the country was like, and this new nation if you can call it that, it's still a part of the Persian Empire, this remnant that is there, they're never going to equal what they had before, not in their lifetime. Population is smaller, their economic situation is bad, and the temple is not going to look anything like it looked before. And that's what the Lord addresses here as uh, he sends this message to Zerubbabel and to um, Joshua and, of course, to the remnant of the people. What are you looking at? You're calling this nothing? This is for me. How dare you say it's nothing? This is not as good as it used to be. How dare you say that? Because the only thing that made the temple worth anything was not the gold and not the silver, not the rituals, not the uh, festivals or anything. It was the presence of God. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the presence of God came. That's what made it holy. That's what made it special. And so God is saying to them, it's not the building. Don't get all caught up in the building. Don't get caught up in the trappings that come from the people and the excitement and all of that. Get your priorities in order and focus on the fact that I am with you. So memory, there's, there's one thing that can cause discouragement. So what are you using your memories for? To help, to encourage, to build up, or to uh, tear down and to discourage other people? Secondly, um, God brings up in this message through Haggai the idea of comparison. How does this compare to how it used to be? 
Well, that's very hard to do because none of us have a perfect memory, do we? We're all kind of biased and we all see things in a certain way. And there are some people today who still prefer to have a flip phone instead of a smartphone. But, uh, hey, that's not fair. Some people may look and say, you know, why don't they get up to the, with the times? Well, maybe the truth of the matter is operating a flip phone is just easier. They understand it. It makes sense to them. At the same time, for somebody who can operate and use a smartphone and use it for good, they would never want to go back to a flip phone because their smartphone can do so many things. There are still people who hate computers, Right? And some who uh, will tell you, I don't even know how to turn one on. And some of us wonder, how did you ever function without it? Some people might say, you know, life was better, simpler, and easier before the Internet. Well, that might well be, might well be. But at the same time, I couldn't be doing this today and teaching you. And we couldn't stay as connected as we have during this time of pandemic if it hadn't been for the Internet. And so sometimes our comparisons are a little bit unfair and they're a little bit unreasonable and sometimes we're not extremely accurate on them, are we? Now, think about comparison can be something that gives you great ideas and great motivation. Maybe you go to somebody's house and you uh, walk out on their back patio and all of a sudden you see something there that you go, hey, you say to your husband or your wife, hey, we could do that. And so you go home and now your patio is a show place because you saw something else. That comparison helped you. It may have motivated you. It may have given you some ideas. At the same time, it can turn into covetousness. Sometimes you can go and see what somebody else has done and you can uh, get all bent out of shape and out of sorts because you're jealous and envious of what they have or what they've done and I could never do that or I could never afford that and you start poor mouthing everything and actually what you're doing is blaspheming God when that happens you ought to think about that right think about how easy that idea of comparison can be either good or bad depending on the way that we use it so what was happening here well there was uh, well the, the scripture actually says in comparison with it is this not in your eyes is nothing. That idea of comparison. This is a nothing kind of thing. Well, we've got to consider the fact here that this time that we're talking about now is after the Babylonian captivity, after they've returned, it's just different. It's just different. Why? Because when Solomon built the temple, Let's remember his father, David, the king, wanted to build the temple, and God said no. And so David started gathering the materials for the building of the temple before Solomon even sat on the throne. So Solomon started out way ahead of the game because of his father, David. So not only do you have the expertise and the riches of Solomon and the wisdom of Solomon and the craftsmen that God gave, You've got this stockpile of materials that are already in place that have been put there by David. Let's just be fair. Solomon had what we might say is a head start. 
He had a better economy. He had more people and more craftsmen. This is just a small remnant of people back into a land that has been devastated by the Babylonian Empire. A lot of time, decades have gone by. The old temple is in ruins. They've got a lot of cleanup to do before they can ever start building. And you know what else? They don't have anywhere near the skilled personnel. They don't have the talent that they used to have. They don't have the money that they used to have. They don't have the gold. They don't have the silver. They don't have any of that. And so some of them, because of the comparison factor, they're lamenting, it'll never be the same. You know what God seems to be saying? Well, maybe not, but I am. I'm the God who doesn't change. Focus on that. Focus on the riches that you have in me instead of comparing the physical building that was coming on before. Um, is it not as nothing in your eyes? Well, God wasn't providing the resources that he had for Solomon, and God wasn't discouraged, and God wasn't disappointed. If he doesn't provide it, you certainly can't give it. And so you may look at your life and say, well, it's nothing like it used to be. Well, it's, number one, not supposed to be. And number two, you can please God and glorify him and honor him just as much with your smaller and lesser situation than you can bef before. Why? Because the key is not what you have. It's the God that you have and the God that you serve. And that's what he is telling them. God is encouraging them. Be strong and strengthen one another. Quit being negative. Quit putting people down. Rejoice in the Lord. Be glad for what you have. And if you have a smaller temple and that's all God provided, then rejoice and make that smaller temple a place of great power and worship because it's not the temple that you worship. It's the God of the temple that you worship. See, I'm speaking to some of you now about maybe your state in life or about your health or about your economic situation or whatever. Just rejoice in the Lord and just do whatever it is that God has provided for you and quit letting all of the comparison stuff pull you down into the doldrums. Number three, here's another thing that was discouraging them. They were feeling weak and they were feeling alone. You know, uh, you can stand alone, and sometimes that's good. David stood alone before Goliath. He's a hero, okay? Peter sort of stood alone. You know how he did it? By running and hiding, by denying the Lord, and by running off and isolating himself. Uh, you see, standing alone and when you feel weak and alone, something can happen. Either that will drive you to the Lord David said to Goliath, you have a spear and a sword, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Basically, David was saying, you lose. Peter looked at the same situation, having been warned about his denial. And what did he see? Everybody else has all of the resources, and I'm in trouble, and I'm liable to get arrested. And so he denied the Lord. Then he saw Jesus when the rooster crowed, and then he wept bitterly, and then he just kind of went and he uh, disappeared. Some of you are shrinking back like pansies during this time, afraid to speak up. Now, some of you speak up too much and you're a little rude and you're not doing the cause of Christ any good. You need to be careful and use good manners, right? And have the spirit of Jesus uh, working in your heart. But some of you have gotten to where you're afraid. You're afraid to witness. You're afraid to speak up. You're afraid of all of this because you don't know what's going to happen. And we live in uncertain times. But this is the time to speak up. God said, get to work. Why? 
Not because of your resources. Not because you can duplicate what happened before. But what did he say? Look at your verse. And work for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. And it's hard to work when you feel weak. Hard to be motivated. It's easy to waste time. It's easy to procrastinate. It's easy to quit when you feel like you're all alone. It's hard to be persistent. It's hard to complete the job when you feel alone and you feel like it's not going to matter and all of that. But notice that God the Father is with them. That's really all they should have needed. You know, it's amazing how often we get together and talk about God, encourage other people to trust God, and sing about the greatness of God, and say amen to preaching about the greatness of God. But boy, sometimes it's hard to believe in all of that when really the truth is you would rather have the things this world offers. And God is always calling his people back here in Haggai as well as to us in 2020. Look to me. Come to me. Treasure me. Rest in me. And consider yourself blessed and favored. Not because of the material possessions you have or the money that's in your bank. But because you know me and I know you. And so you notice that God comes along and these people aren't really asking for this. God reads their mind and he intervenes. Why does he do this? Because he cares. He loves them. He wants to encourage them just as he does you. And notice the power that he brings. Finish the job. I'm with you and that's really all you need. And that's true today. Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the earth. That ought to motivate us. And that ought to do more than that, folks. It really ought to satisfy us but you're just like I am and we're just like they were that's hard sometimes it's not impossible but it is hard and that's what we need to look for and the last thing that I would say discouragement comes from a lack of foundation and uh, principle somebody uh, knocked on a door one time and a man answered he had his had a cigarette in his mouth, a cup of coffee, and a newspaper under his arm. He was in his bathrobe, and uh, it was a poll survey taker. And they said, I'm taking a survey. The man looked annoyed, didn't want to be bothered. And the uh, survey, the poll taker, whatever you call them, said, what do you think the biggest problem is in America, ignorance or apathy? And the man with the newspaper said, I don't know, and I don't care. And he slammed the door in his face. Don't you kind of find that that's the way a lot of people are right now? They want to complain. They want to gripe about things. But they don't know the answers. One of the things that um, I noticed watching both political conventions is uh, certainly there are policies that I agree with more than others. I don't think it's any secret that I am a conservative Republican. And so I lean that way, and that's what I think. But I also think biblically. And one of the things that I thought as I was watching both of these conventions, listening to both sides and both sets of speeches, is how sad it is that so many of those people, even the ones that agree with me, they don't know the Lord. They don't know grace they don't know faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. They don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit. They think it's all up to them, and they think that they all have the answers on things. Well, that's kind of sad. Because you see, what happens is those of us who know the Lord, we have a firm foundation and principles by which we 
uh, conduct ourselves. And they are the ones that determines what is right or what is wrong, what is good or bad, or the path that we're going to take. We don't just take the path of popularity or the path of least resistance. We take the path of right or wrong. Notice that the Lord said, get this done and do it, verse 5, according to the word that I covenanted, that's a hard word to say, with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Isn't that good? And God reminds them of his word. He reminds them of the foundation. Why do, why do you even think that it's relevant to build a temple to me? Because of the covenant I made with your forefathers when they came out of Egypt. Because of the promises that I gave them. Because of the purpose that I have in my covenant people Israel. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. And my spirit is just as much with you as it was when your ancestors crossed the Red Sea. My spirit is just as much with you now as when they ate manna and quail in the wilderness. My spirit is with you just as much now as it was when the walls of Jericho fell down. Get motivated. Get encouraged. And the Lord would say the same thing to us today. We have the same word, same power, same salvation, same blood, and we have the same spirit that the apostles had. We have the same ones that they had during the Reformation. And for crying out loud, why are we acting like we're a bunch of wilting pansies in the heat when we have the presence and power and the word of God? How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said to you who to Jesus for refuge have fled, right? And so our foundation ought to be something that we stand on and say we do this because of what we believe. And why do we believe what we believe? Because God has revealed it to us. It is our foundation. God had given them his word. His covenant was still valid. And all of the promises will be fulfilled. And this goes way back to when they came out of Egypt. And in spite of their sin, and in spite now of their small numbers, and in spite of the small temple that they were going to build, that didn't matter. Those were incidental. God was with them, and God had made a covenant with them, and they should remember that, that God remains faithful. He did not abandon them, and he was with them when they were uh, deported, and he's with them now as they come back. Don't fear. Now, Nehemiah had not yet rebuilt the walls. Israel's enemies were uh, terrorizing them and persecuting them and coming in and out. You know they had to be afraid. And so God was telling them, just trust me and obey regardless because you are always safest when you are in God's will. And that's true for us. That's true for our generation. That's true for the generations to come. So just remember that there are abundant reasons not to do God's will and the enemy will supply all of those reasons. So will your flesh. So will the world and the culture. But there are also many reasons uh, to be encouraged. Just as we saw in here, we have the same. And the world will see to it that they focus on the negatives and make us feel alone, isolated, and uh, stirring up bad memories and comparisons that are not productive, all of those kind of things. And there are numerous reasons just to quit. 
and the flesh will see to that. But God calls us to look to him and to press on. And what a great word for us during this time. Philippians 3, 13 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature, who are mature, the older ones, think this way, looking to the future in other words. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you, which is what he's doing now, by the way. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. See, that's what the people in the remnant forgot. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a word. What a word. God always knows exactly what we need. And may the Lord bless you as you apply these principles to your life. Press on for the glory of God.